Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm John Branion, and this is the comedian next door. This is part two of my conversation about when it's time to leave the church with Juan DeVivo. Don't have any commitment. We and and there is a lack of of empathy and a lack of commitment and a lack of loyalty to other people, and that is what I think most of the time leads to people leaving the church. It's not because heresy is being preached from the pulpit, and they are, and God is telling them to remove themselves from this from this. Uh, diabolical teaching that's being fed <laughs> on them. I mean, and that's not to say that that doesn't happen. I'm sure there's one or two cases of that, but the vast majority of people, I think, leave because they just don't have any loyalty and they don't have any sense of. Um, I- I'm just not going to suffer. I am. I am not going to put myself in a position where I'm uncomfortable and unhappy um, for these other people, and that's why they leave the church. Ooh. Well. Okay, because I was going to ask you just now, would you chalk that up to consumerism or hedonism? But then that yes. last part you said, both <laughs> the last part you said, well, I guess that does. It's selfishness. It's selfishness. It's not wanting to be, not, I don't want to waste another Sunday morning at this church. And it's like, yeah, you're selfish. You're, you're going to find a church that you like better. You're going to find yeah. a church that makes you happy. You yeah, don't care last, about these people that you're leaving. The, the last thing you said was made me think, okay, how much are you willing to love these other people as much as you want them to love you? Right. It's like, because well, I guess, yeah, mostly like what you're saying, a person, there are people who complain about how they're feeling at the church and and the, the overall, because there's, I've heard this, it's a Maya Angelou quote, people will, people will forget what you said but they won't forget how you've made them feel. And so that gets applied mm-hmm. to the church. And so right. the church, the, the I, that church made me feel this certain way. And so, um, yeah. And so that's the question is like, okay, now are you willing to follow? Are you such a follower of Christ? You, that's what you say when you say you're, you're a Christian. Right. Are you such a follower of Christ that you're able to love the other people like he loves you or like you would have them? Love you. That's just the golden rule. Even pagans know the golden rule. So it's like they teach that in, you know, public school kindergarten. And like right. at least at least get to the point where you would do unto others <laughs> extended, you know, extend the grace to them as right. you want extended to yourself. So right. that's but the problem is the basic people who leave the church understand the golden rule, but they never see themselves as the people who are supposed to be following it. They always they always recognize right they always recognize that everybody else is not treating them the way that they would like to be treated but they but they never apply the golden rule as something that they're supposed to be following as well they use yeah. it they use it to hit people over the head you know you're not following the golden rule and it's like well if you were following the golden rule <laughs> you wouldn't you. even notice that i would not following the golden rule <laughs> so but that's yeah, we it had, we, uh, we, we had a out. meeting we had a meeting Holy a few golden. years ago this is how long this has been coming, um, where it was a after a congregational meeting, and I was the chairman of the board at the time. We still had a board at the church, and ah. I was reluctant. I didn't want to be the chairman. I tried to get rid of it. I couldn't. 
Um, but one of the people at the church stuck their hand up and said, who is in charge of sending flowers when somebody passed away? And then this person said, because I had a, I don't remember, it was a distant relative who's second great aunt. Yeah. Something aunt or whatever had, and, and the church didn't send flowers and it was totally, you know, we communicated to them that the church was everything and the church did not send flowers. So whose job is it? And I, I I wasn't mad, but I, but I was like, okay, we're going to have this conversation because it's, it's in my mind now. And it's like, well, and so I asked, I said, whose job should it be? I mean, should it, shouldn't it be the job of the person who thinks that flowers ought to be sent? Isn't it the person who has the thought that, oh, it would be good to send flowers to these people? Isn't that the person that maybe God is telling to send flowers? Yeah. But but the, the idea that that God is sending somebody in here to this annual meeting to scold somebody for not being thoughtful enough on behalf of the church is messed up. Um, but that is the sort of conversations that we would entertain all the time. So-and-so brought up a thing and they have a good point. So let's the elders talk about that. And it's like, no, the elders are not going to talk about that. It's the person who thought about it is the person who's, who's supposed to act on it. But, to, but we lateral holiness to the professionals now. It's like, oh, somebody needs to send. Oh, yeah. Somebody needs to send flowers. Why do we need to send flowers? Well, because that family's hurting, and maybe it'll maybe it'll reach out to them, and then they'll start coming to church here. And it's like, that's why we do it because we're <laughs> want, because we we're, want we're, desperately to. It's, yeah, it's, we're we're getting members, so we're we want we're, them in the pew. We're praying on the people who are hurting, um, so that I don't know. I, I just it's like, yeah, it's like the uh, the guy that's been friend zoned, and uh, and now all of a sudden the girl was broken up with her boyfriend, and now it's time for him to move in. So now that she's right. low, <laughs> now that her right. her self esteem is low, let's move in. She's, she's vulnerable court. now, so we let's can. Court. Would it be weird if a church had a customer service department? Uh, it you wouldn't think? be. It would be weird if it was official, but they do have customer service department. I was going to say, I go, I wonder how many people would feel uncomfortable if we had a customer service department or, I mean, I get that's like the, the welcome center, I guess, is what we, we, we had people, we had a prayer request box and people were putting suggestions in it. Oh, people, people would write notes about services or policies or whatever. And they would put them in the prayer box. This is wait a second. <laughs> did they address them as prayers like, no they here's, just, a, prayer, here's a, prayer a prayer i have can we had lines be 70 on degrees it. in the sanctuary yeah they would put Let's stuff pray. like that the thermos, it's been too cold we need to adjust the thermostat can we get it down below 80 decibels mm. in the sound system there, there, there was stuff in the about name of jesus m- music happened uh, frequently there were things Did you check the handwriting it. was it all same person or uh, generally yeah. it was it was I'm the same type of people but the the point is that it was a prayer request box and so and yeah. so they did treat it like a customer service center it's like <laughs> my I'm, gosh and, and, and but you're are, laying that on you're laying that on church leadership though to allow that to get that because oh, that's yeah. what is that's and, what's expected because that's the way that's what's been 
that's the behavior that we've been. Well, the leaders bend taught. over backwards to to keep people happy. Oh, these people are upset. We've got to do something, or they're going to leave. They're going to leave, and people threaten to leave the church, and so leaders leap into action to keep people from quote unquote leaving. And the fact is, they need to be scolded. The vast majority of the time, they need to be scolded for threatening to leave. It's like, what do you mean you're going to leave? What do you? What what gives you the right to leave? I mean, I mean, under what? What is it that you think allows you to wag your finger at us and then go someplace else? We're going to have a conversation about that. But leaders don't do that. Most That's interesting. Do you, I don't know if I've ever heard of that either. Even at, like I'm very happy with my church. And I don't even have a situation where I would be like, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this. There's, I think we're in error. I don't think I can't find any thing that we're doing right now that I'd be like, Hmm, I'm not particularly agreeing with this. So I'm like, I'm fully on board with my church. And I don't even know if my pastor would go, why, you know, what do you want to do if you're leaving? Oh, you so, never uh, get a chance to, yeah. because they just leave. They don't, they don't announce that they're leaving. They, they would never go to the leadership and say, we're leaving because of this. What will happen is they just blast off and they'll usually mutter to somebody else who's still at the church. And so that's how you find out, oh, you know, the, the, the Smiths aren't coming to church here anymore. They're not. No, they blah, 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 blah. But it's not the Smiths that tell you they're leaving the church. They just, yeah. okay. they just so- spread those seeds of discontentment to other members of the family and then they leave. That's a good, I'm glad you said that because that's usually where I find myself is I'm not, I'm not, I guess I could say I'm an elder, I'd, I'd volunteer and do stuff like that. But if I hear, usually I'm the one that, that they complain to. So if you right. find yourself in that situation, then you should, then you're saying admonish that brother, my, my brother in Christ, I need to tell you something. Yeah. I would see my my style would be more like though. Yep. Let me encourage you to stick around because, or I would either try to show them because that's just I want to say that's that's the way my perspective is. I want to go let look at the other side and hopefully right. they'll be reasonable enough to see that other side. I wouldn't say I could, could correct them though, but I guess that is a form of correction. I guess it is correcting would, them. and and how not how have not you done? Yeah, go ahead. Not to be critical, but if they were capable of seeing the other side, then they would see the other side. And so, um, oh. you know, it's 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 just different ways of of handling it. And I don't think you're, I don't think you're incorrect. But my method is a little more. Uh, I'm a little more blunt. I'll just. <laughs> I, I will ask. ask. I will say, you know, do you think? We had a, a situation where there was a father who was upset because his he didn't think his daughter was being treated properly um, by the church because she was pregnant out of wedlock. And uh, it, it's a pretty long story, but the, the long and the short of it was he didn't think that she was loved properly. And right. he, he said that the church and he was talking to the to the elders. Um, he said the church has a responsibility to these single mothers. The church has a responsibility to these single mothers. And when he was done with his speech, I said, okay, I would agree with that. The church has a responsibility to single mothers, certainly. Now, let me ask you, do single mothers have a responsibility to the church? And he goes, that's a good question. 
And I said, it is a good question, isn't it? it you is. know the answer to it. <laughs> the answer is yes, they do. Uh, we or all to themselves or to their families. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is you, you're, you're saying that because it will um, help her situation and her family. We wouldn't want her to be in the church if it didn't, if it wasn't beneficial, you know, the, the whole, the whole scenario was out of whack because it was right. the father coming to the elders to complain that the daughter was not being treated properly. He didn't have yeah, any specifics of- about what it was that we, how she was being mistreated. You know, he didn't have anything other than that, that he just didn't feel like, like we were doing right by her. Why? Well, because she was complaining about things. And so rather than her, rather than doing what he should have done, what what he should have done was said go to her zip it yeah <laughs> but that's what he should have done he should have said zip it and that would have been the end of it but if he didn't want to if he didn't have the stuff it takes to stand up to his daughter then he should have sent her to the elders because this is the thing you need to go to church leadership because i guarantee she wouldn't have she wouldn't have gone to the elders um because yeah because they never do they just You're right. It is telling that she sent, in a way, sent him to go do this thing for her, a grown-up who was able to make a big enough adult decision to have a kid on her own, right. and uh, that, those kind of things. Well, so, yeah, and, so. and, and then and then it started a conversation with the other leadership, and this is when I start to get impatient. It's like so now they started talking about what they can do to better serve single mothers, and I'm like, my gosh, you guys. This is, or what, you know, what, what, first of all, we don't even know for sure why they're unhappy. Right. You know, and so we're just going to scramble around now and start doing stuff, you know, to try to hit a target that hasn't even been pointed out to us. We don't even know what we're shooting at. Um, But we've got somebody who's Uh. upset and somebody who's unhappy. And rather than dealing with that person and helping them to, helping them to process through it, Helping them to realize, you know what? You don't even know what you're upset about. You don't, you don't even know what you're mad about. Um, and rather than helping falls. them do that, we just we just do what we do. Yeah, you got. I wonder if this falls. I think of about this often. Um, my brother-in-law, he he passed away like four years ago, but he was a, a staff member at a church, and he had done. He'd been moved around a lot, but wherever he went he flourished whatever that ministry that they put him in was he flourished. So he was a youth pastor. And so maybe the pastor didn't like him being a youth pastor. So they moved him like men's ministry. So he'd get into men's ministry and that would grow and he would pour into people. And then they were like, no, you go do the welcome ministry. So we went and did the welcome ministry and that would grow. And there'd be a ton of people volunteering for it. And it was just wherever he went, he grew it. And I, and it taught me a lot about, man, I used to think, um, I thought when I was being called in the ministry, I was like, I, I think God wants me to be a youth pastor. I was like, okay, well, uh, what does that mean? But isn't it, wouldn't it be enough that God just wants you to do ministry and you just go ahead and I feel like maybe our, we feel like our callings are too specific. And so like when a young single mother comes in there, you're, you're like, oh, this is like you said, a target demographic. We gotta, we gotta have right. charts and stuff and, and statistics right. instead of just going, let's preach the gospel comfort the hurting <laughs> and you know, whoever, like you said, when she walked in the, or her father walked in the door, you brought him comfort by going, she has a responsibility too. And that not only, not only like people think of that as correction and admonishment, but you just handed her 
dignity <laughs> by by giving her a chance for response mm-hmm. for an opportunity for responsibility. People feel like I'm the, that we're weighing people down with responsibility when that's kind of our kind of our purpose. We're to carry something. You know, we're not supposed to be carried right. along, but right. we're supposed to carry something. That's why uh, that goes back to what you were talking about. You go th- without Christ, you can do nothing. Well, that's the, implying that you're supposed to be doing something <laughs> through Christ. Like with Jesus' help, he's going to empower you to do something. And I think responsibility is a, is a bit right. about that. I th- that's the irony of it is that we're trying to take, we're taking things away from people in the name of of comforting them when we should be giving them things like the dignity of responsibility and the, uh, you know, the encouragement of work and the, uh, right. the, uh, the shapeliness of discipline. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. uh, it's like, it's like trying to keep the kid. Gosh, what was that? Oh, secret garden. It's a book about a kid, a sickly kid and they keep him inside because they, they don't want him to get sick because he's going to, if he goes outside, he's going to die. But he goes outside and the sunshine and the flowers and everything actually make him healthy. Right. So keeping him cooped up and in a bed was actually killing him. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. We're putting everybody in the bed. We're drawing the shades, no sunshine. We'll just keep it dark in here, nice and quiet. And then we're killing people right. because uh, because we're making them comfortable. You're, and that's, right. anyway. Christians are supposed to bear fruit and... Um, there's branches disconnected from the vine can't bear any fruit. The, the paradox is there's energy in working. It's like, even when, even in the garden, when everything was perfect, Adam was still working. He was still doing, he was, that's, uh, that's one thing I've been thinking about too. Before he had Eve, he was still a husband. He was husbanding the, the garden. He was tending it, you know, and he was, he was shaping it because when God made us in his image, then he allowed us to shape the things that he created into our image, you know, not, mm-hmm. not as idols, but like in the way that we saw fit, you know, we made a garden beautiful. We would make a, a statue to, um, to uh, give glory to God's creation. Um, so man, I can't, right. that's, uh, that, that doesn't help. I don't know if that helps people who are deciding not whether or not to leave their, their uh, church, but if you are, if you figure out, if you pray for wisdom and you figure out that you're new in your faith and you need to stick it out a little bit, that's the thing is you might be getting shaped a little bit. Well, uh, and it, some Christians may be trying to help you live in dignity and, and, to, and right. to emulate that image that you were created and not just um, avoid pain. Yeah, I'm suspicious of people who say that they went to somebody. They went, we went to the pastor, or we went to the leadership, and we voiced our grievance, and and they wouldn't listen to us. I'm suspicious of those people um, because I don't think that. I, I think it takes a, a mature person to recognize the fine line between voicing a uh, an error and just complaining. You know, people are really good at complaining, and there are a lot of people who who hold up their own complaints as some sort of holy, sacred uh, proclamation. You know, we would, I went to the leadership, and I told them what I thought was wrong, and it's like, yeah, but you're, but you are a, a child, and the thing that you were complaining about was not something you were supposed to be complaining about. So, <laughs> or it can't even be ch- or something that can't even be changed. Right. And so you're yeah. going to go to a new church. You're going to go to a, you're going to go find another church and you're going to make those people miserable too, because 
because you're toxic and you are unwilling to face hard questions and hard truth. And the, the truth is what you just said, that we do have a responsibility. Everybody in the church has a job to do. Um, and that doesn't, that's not the same as taking somebody who is immature and throwing them into the nursery. And, uh, you know, but everybody has a job that they're supposed to, um, that they're supposed to mature into. And then, and then they value it. If you, if you have the right sense of your purpose in the church, if you're, if you're correct in the way you understand your position in the church, then it's really, really hard to leave. It's really difficult to just uproot all of that and go someplace else because this is my ministry. I can't leave this. This is, there's roots that go down here and my ministry affects other ministries. And so you just can't tear all of that out and go someplace else. Yeah. That's a big word to say. If you're actually invested in the church and you've planted something there, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to pull up roots. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So yeah, so people that, yeah, that's why it would be so easy to leave because there's no roots. Okay, how does how does a person how does Carl figure out? Maybe Carl doesn't go through this, but how does Carl figure out their if they've been to a lot of different churches? I guess maybe if you if you if you would quote unquote if you're having bad luck with churches, maybe yeah, if maybe this is your third or fourth church in a year, yeah, maybe I would- it's the that's, that's, that's a good indicator. If you, if it's my grandmother used to say when the whole world's crazy, but you, it's time to take inventory. <laughs> she would say that over and over and over. And it stuck. I think, um, I, I am constantly going, all right, am I the only person in the room who feels this way? And if I am, is it because everybody else is wrong or is it because <laughs> Um, because there's truth to it, but you, you have to constantly be taking self inventory, realizing that you are flawed, I think is the key to, to being more, uh, stable in your relationships is realizing that you can be wrong from time to time. (laughs) And so when you're wrong, when you're wrong, what do you want other people to do when you're, when you're dead wrong? And, uh, and it comes out that you're wrong and you could not have zippers down. Well, yeah. What, how do you want everybody to respond? I mean, how many many second chances do you want? Do you want forgiveness and do you want grace? And do you want people to put their arm around you and say, you know what? Everybody's made mistakes. It's all right. The important thing is that you owned up to it and now we're going to take steps to create, or do you want, do you want everybody to just kind of slink away and not speak to you again? Because that's what you're doing when you leave the church. You just slink away. And Oh, no. Is it the golden rule again? Yeah. Yeah. And most of the time when people leave the church, they always say it's uh, it's temporary. It's not permanent. We're going to step away for a while. We're going to step away for a season. And then we'll be back. But that really? is that. Yeah. There's there's nobody ever thinks of leaving the church as a permanent thing unless they're just completely having a tantrum. And they're like, Ooh, we're never darkened the door in this place again. You know, that's, that's when you swing into atheism 
and you can find you can find the atheists online who talk about how I walked away from my church and I've never been happier now that I have no religion well, in my life. And yeah, it's like, yeah, you're you're. Well, it's obvious what happened there. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the uh, the yoke of religion is heavy without without Christ. That's right. the one thing to me. Though all we were That's talking true. about, I don't want to get into deconversion, but when you leave Christ or the church and you you feel like a burden has been lifted that's a pretty good indicator that that you were <laughs> you weren't saved to begin with because yeah. Yeah. those of us who are in Christ and are at the church would describe our our situation as being free of chains right. not burden because what what I what it tells me is that you were thinking it was all these things you had to do and you couldn't keep up with all the things so once mm-hmm. i stopped doing the things it felt good and yeah, that, that's natural. It's a totally natural thing to happen. It's because you weren't you weren't believing you weren't regenerated. I should say people well, I, say they believe, but I think that's another good point, though. You said you said you didn't want to get into deconversion, but I think deconversion follows quickly on the heels of of not being able to sell in a church. I mean, it's the same mindset that that I hear from these deconverted Christians as the people that are leaving the church, they're saying the exact same things, but the people who are not, the people who are not fully deconstructed yet are the ones who go, I'm going to go find a different church and then I'll be happy. But they're on the steps. They're already on the way. They're on the path to leaving the church altogether. How many of the people that vocalize that you, would you say don't at the core of it, aren't really looking for a church I guess maybe that is the that is the chain that is the bondage is they grew up they're like okay I know church is the thing I'm supposed to be doing right. and this isn't really making me happy so I right. go to another one wait this wasn't doing it either this one isn't doing it either wait maybe it's not church right. maybe if I got rid of church oh look I have a whole Sunday to myself I have Sunday to myself right and it, and, yeah so. no that's exactly what it is it, they grew up going to church because why because going to church is what good people do on Sunday. But that's not what church has ever been about. And church was never about attending because because God smiles on you when you take your seat and uh, and crack open your hymnal. It, it's and so so the people who go, yeah, we quit going to church because because it didn't make any difference. It's like right because you saw it as an act of obedience and not as something that you do because you're participating in a family. Now you are. You are part of a group of the yeah. you're part of the kingdom of God now, yeah. and you are associating and fellowshipping with these people because all of you are eventually going to spend eternity, you know, celebrating God. And so it, it's a difference between, between going to church because you have to and going to church because you really see it as a, as a privilege and an opportunity to rejoice. So those well, are yeah. Different. That's why I like Amanda's term, so the uh, me evangelical, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's yeah. I'm when you go to church and you say I'm here for you, right. and then at the same time you also realize that when I get around these people, who otherwise in any other situation besides under the banner of Christ, I would never have anything to do with these people. Right? God is uniting me with them so that I may grow and let go of myself as a God. And, and, you know, I'm sitting on the throne of my heart right now. I need to dethrone myself, put God there. And then I'll realize, oh, they're just as, as special and in the image of God as I am. So, yeah, that's the, I guess that that's also the irony of it 
is the person storming out of the church is saying, you don't care about me, but at the same time, they're not worried about anybody else around them. Right. So, wow. That's right. There's the same thing. I like to play a little personal game. I like to call it, where's the truth? Because uh, a lie is seldom a total lie. There's usually, it's like when you're giving a cat a pill, you got to wrap it in some bread. So like they sneak in a lie with the truth. So like when people are saying that people don't care, mm-hmm. is that completely a lie? Or do you think they think that's, what, what do you think the truth? Oh, that's what I was going to say too. I read, I forgot who it was. Some theologian was like the, the bar room for him. It was cause he's English. So the pub is a, is a good substitute for the church because it's, um, it's none of the, everybody. Well, for us, I guess we could say, remember the, the show cheers where everybody knows your name right. and they're glad you came and that kind of thing. So I, so in one way, I guess what you're saying is we're trying to turn it into cheers, but also what is it about that? That's appealing that people will, that what's the truth there that, that the church needs to learn what's something the church can do. In, in Does that the, make sense? <laughs> that was only a, like a two minute question. Well, there's, there's something you're talking about fellowship, right? You're asking about fellowship. I guess so. Yeah. What is appealing about a bar and where everybody knows you there? And- the the early church uh, met together on the first day of the week. They were all together for fellowship, breaking bread, um, which I think are the same thing. They were eating. They were eating, <laughs> fellowshipping, um, uh, dedicated to the word of the God. They they studied the scripture. Uh, and they prayed. Those are the things that they did, and all of those things were were community. And yes, I would agree that you could do them in a pub. Um, they did them in homes for the most part when they were when they first started. They they met together in people's homes, and they just they ate and they fellowshiped and they and they laughed and they uh, they shared stories about what was happening that week and they. Uh, talked about how to properly raise children and how to uh, how to grow food and uh, what's what's a good way to Ooh. what's a good way to make a broom. I mean, they 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 <laughs> talked about they talked about this stuff. They were they were neighbors. Oh, yeah. they were friends, and they were and they gathered together every single week for that purpose. And they uh, they studied the scripture. And why did they study the scripture? So that they would know how they were supposed to live as Christian people. They didn't study the scripture so that they would know how to, quote, share their faith with their unchurched neighbor. And the the emphasis on that is, is totally out of whack, I think, in a lot of churches where it's like the only reason people are reading the Bible are encouraged to read the Bible for the same reason that they're encouraged to go to church because um, because God wants you to do it. And with the Bible, you have to read the Bible so you can share it with your friends, so you can share it with people who don't know it. And certainly we are supposed to share our faith, but that's not the reason that you read the Bible. I don't, right. I don't read the Bible so I can convert other people to Christianity. Yeah, you read the Bible so that you know how you're supposed to live. And then um, how you're supposed to how you're supposed to treat your wife and your children and your neighbors and how you're supposed to spend your money and you that's what you read the Bible for, not so you can become a little salesman um, for Jesus. <laughs> that always did feel a little weird coming up, growing up. But 
Yeah, that's not sustainable either. No, you, you don't. You don't get. You don't. That doesn't compel you to studying to witness to people. Doesn't compel you to witness to people. <laughs> that no makes sense. That's not no. that you're drawing from the same tank. I guess that you're trying to. Yeah. So, but I guess my point was that uh, the the world's version of fellowship and what you just described as God's version of the fellowship. Why why are people attracted? to that what like so that's kind of what people want from the church and in many ways we've seen churches trying to become that right so well, why are we the trying same. To- the, the fellowship is the same the process of fellowshipping is the same the difference is the world doesn't have the truth at the core and the and the the world doesn't have a purpose for the fellowship a purpose beyond the fellowship that's why they just get drunk that's why they go out yeah. and they dance and they get drunk because there's nothing else to do except except to be together. And for a, so, yeah, for a little bit. Well, the accusation is, uh, so like, let's go back to the lyrics. <laughs> the, uh, everybody knows your name. They're always glad you came. So the accusation the church gets is you're not glad that people are, that certain people are walking in the door. And, uh, I don't think that's because I think we're get we're, we're passing into an era and I, maybe this is because I'm old. Maybe all old people talk this way. I feel like we're crossing over into a thing where, and I read this somewhere that truth is, if truth is inside of you and somebody corrects that, then, then they're denying you. They're, they're correcting mm-hmm. you. But if truth is outside of you and they, and somebody corrects where you're headed, you're like, Oh, I just got to, I just got to change course. I was just pointed in the wrong direction. I just got to go this way instead of this way. But if it's in you, then they're then they hate you, right? So now we're right. now we're when we say no, that thing you're doing, don't do that. Then you're like, well, you're just you just hate you're you're that's hateful speech. You're just um, you know you you're denying me of me, right? So that's why you get all these. And I, there was a meme I saw. What was it? I wasn't a rebel until I until I started acting like myself or something like that. <laughs> or I'm a rebel because I act like myself. Right. right. Well, there so, there's a there's a idolatry all of us think that we are all of us think that we're right and all of us think that we are um that we should be that that people should pay more attention to us than they do and social media has has bore that out in a very real tangible visceral way where you can see it in real time you can everybody, everybody thinks that the rest of the world should be paying attention to them you know, that every, what they're eating for dinner is super important. So we're going to take a picture of it. Hey, look at this, where we're here and we're there. We're going to check in at this place and check in at that place and let everybody know what's going on in our lives. And, uh, and that has, it's always been that way, but now we have the technology to where we can actually put it on display and we can go, you see, you know, we really, we really are idolaters we really do think that we are deserving of of worshipers and that's what it is and people will push back at me and people will say that i'm being hyperbolic you know oh, they're, they're not worshipers they're just friends i just like to see what's going on i just like to have friends it's like they're they're called followers on twitter you know they're they're literally they're literally followers, followers. <laughs> yeah. so we're making these disciples and we want our disciples to to, to love us. And so, um, yeah, when, when they become upset with us or when things don't go, 
things don't go our way and they leave, then we feel like they are rejecting us. And why is that? Because they are rejecting us. Because we weren't really pointing them to the truth in the first place. We were pointing them to ourselves. And I think that's what's happened at the church. The church has become another brand. It's like Disneyland or it's like Nike or Coca-Cola. It's like your local church has its own t-shirt. It has a logo. It has bumper stickers. It has little catchy phrases that the members are supposed to throw around. And so when people say, I don't want to go to your church, they are literally rejecting us. And then we get bent out of shape and go, well, it's a shame that people won't follow Jesus anymore. And it's like, well, this is not about Jesus. This is about your brand. Yeah, um, we take it personal because it is personal. It is That's personal. It is personal. When people say, I don't want to go to your stupid church, you should take that personally because because that's what you're calling them to. You're not calling them to Christ. Wow. I was thinking, I was thought, I don't know why I had this thought, but at a certain period in England, you had a, you had a church that was the church you went to. Mm-hmm. It was your, your village church. That's where you went. You didn't have anywhere else to go unless you went to, unless you moved to another village, which was highly unlikely because that's where you grew up and that's where you're going to, you know, get your job and, and that kind of thing. And so, I don't, I don't know what it was like for those people. I know you, like you said, you're around your neighbors and you know the people in there. So, but um, I wonder how much we, uh, we would benefit from, a, from having one church. I don't know. Cause gosh, cause that's why I, there's a, there's a conglomeration of thoughts right now. Cause it's like uh, you, we were talking, we, I touched on consumerism but I don't want to always. That sounds like it just sounds like something just you that you shout when you're mad. Ah, consumerism. But <laughs> but it's you know that just sounds like something an old guy when we can't say anything else. But it is. I'm going to shout with, that from now on when I ah consumerism stub my toe. <laughs> it does sounds like a cuss word. <laughs> but I can literally on on my road where my church is. There's five churches. Yeah, I can be like. I've got I'm seven or eight on my road. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, it's kind of like what you were saying with a family. If you want to, if you want to stick it out with your wife, then divorce is not part of the, even the conversation doesn't even, right. I, I don't know. I haven't joked about it. We've, we've been married 23 years. I've never even joked about it. No, we don't <laughs> joke about I, it either. I consider that, I consider that seriously, but yeah. Right. Uh, so maybe when you've, Maybe that's the, the the cure is if you find yourself three or four churches, first of all, look inside yourself. See, is this thing that I believe or is this thing that I'm doing? Is this thing a thing that has changed me? Has has God changed me? Or is this thing that I'm perpetuating because it's a kind of a either nostalgia or, you know, it's tradition in my family? Or is it something that I genuinely have has re- God has recreated me? And if so then why am I finding so many bad churches? Is it just because I want uh, I want a certain feeling or if one church did something bad to me and then some, uh, and then another church did the same bad thing to me, um, you know, am I just, uh, am I thin skinned or do I need to find, do I need to right. seek to forgive those people too? Well, that's another thing that people leave is they've been done wrong. So let's right. say somebody was lying about you. Is that something where you need to just forgive them? I don't know. 
Cause there's, I have heard of people, I have a friend that was, that had to leave a church because like a seriously, a rumor was so, was so fraught that it's just nobody, they had all decided in that church and it was a smaller church. They just all decided he was guilty of whatever it was and he had to go somewhere else, but he didn't leapfrog churches after that. He just found another church and stayed there. But I think roots are pretty important too. Like you said, if you got something going on and people, uh, and you are like, we were talking about being mentored, but if you are mentoring and you're discipling people there, it's a little harder to just go, you know what? I'm going to go down the street and go to the other church. I think that the, the difficulty that a lot of people have, I wrote about this in my book too, is they, they don't ever say what's bugging me. They don't, they don't ever take a hard look at, okay, why am I angry or why are my feelings hurt? Um, and I'm not saying that I'm not discounting that you get angry or that you get your feelings hurt. I'm saying you should ask, okay, what is it that's bugging me about this? What is it? Let me put my finger specifically on why I am upset and doing that, not always, but often you go, oh, this is really a me problem. And it's not a, it's not a them problem. This is, but it's sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it's not immediate, but if you just go, what is really bugging me? I mean, let me get, let me get to what it is that's got me so in a froth about this. Um, that yeah, that was another thing. Because is that would you say it's a personality thing? Because I always start with me. I'm like I'm angry, and I'll I go do too. okay. Well, what is what am I? What's my problem with it? And am I wrong? Because I don't want to. Because then if you start, like yeah. I said, if you start kicking doors down and going, you guys don't know how to, and they go, oh well, no, the we were supposed to meet at eight. Oh, right. oh, that I guess that's all. then you look like an idiot. So Dur- I want to make sure. I always start with me because I don't want to, when I come out, when it comes out of my mouth, I want to make sure I, I, this is a problem in some way. Oh my gosh. That's like a, that's a personality thing though, isn't it? Some people don't think that way. Some people don't think like that. Some people, uh, and I probably didn't always think this way. I probably learned it somewhere, but, um, but when I drive now is when I'm the most aware of my own, uh, wretched tendency. (laughs) And I'm driving and I'm, I will get mad at people for, uh, needing to turn left. You know, it's a two lane street and, How dare and they grind to a stop and they got to wait for, they got to wait for traffic to go. And I'm like, come on. And then, and then I've got the voice in my head. that's like, that's right, John, that jerk turning left, you know, when this you is wanted the street. To go straight. Yeah. Yeah. This is the street you wanted to turn on. But I think I, about I think yeah. about the people who who don't do that. I mean, people who who have these feelings that bottle up inside of them, and whether it's somebody who's turning left, or whether it's you don't like the the song service at church, or you don't like the the Sunday school teacher, or whatever. It's all the same stuff. But but people get annoyed by that, and then they start to internalize it, and they don't realize how silly it is to be mad at somebody for turning left. And then they genuinely, it genuinely ruins their life because those things oh, yeah. pile up. There's always somebody turning left in front of you, always. And so you're constantly getting angrier and angrier and you're feeling more and more uh, like you've been slighted. And the whole, my whole life, I've just gotten the short end of the stick all the time. 
And it's like, okay, wait a minute. What is really bugging you? Well, that guy turned left. It's like, really? I mean, is that, is that it? Your whole I mean, life. That's a, that's not a big problem. And so, so asking yourself what's really bothering you can sometimes, again, not always, but often it just makes everything go away. You're just not mad anymore because it's like, oh yeah, he was just turning left. I mean, he's not, he's not the devil. He didn't do it to upset you. He's probably going yeah. to visit his mother. You know, there's no reason to be mad at a guy. Yeah. And it's better to do it out loud too. Cause if you're like, what's bothering me, this guy's turning left. And like, yeah. oh, okay. It doesn't sound as bad when I put it out like that. Yeah. And it's a little scary cause it but. makes you feel dumb the first few times you do it. And you like, <laughs> you realize just how petty and selfish and stupid you are when you start. Well, my friend, that is where your stand-up routine comes in so handy. Everyone needs to go see your dry bar, especially the first how, – how many minutes is that in? Uh, you're depriving – you're saying you're depriving other people of joy by not sharing your stupidity. Yeah, I have a blessing. It's like, yeah. A blessing. But it's I, – I, I genuinely believe that. And I think that if you're, if you're going to leave the church – and I think I said this in my post – Said, I'm not saying that there aren't times when you should leave, because there there may be, but I'm saying the t- tendency that I've seen, at least, is that people are leaving, um, and they're not for good reasons. And the reason that I think they know that they're not good reasons is because they don't tell people that they're leaving. They just slide away. They just well, we're whatever. Yeah. And it's like, no, if you're not, if you can't stand up. And, and it's courtesy too. It's also biblical. If somebody, if your brother sins against you, if there's an actual sin that's taking place, and that's why you're leaving, you're supposed to go to your brother and explain to him yeah. where he has erred. If you just leave, then you're not doing what Jesus said to do. Yeah, I was going to say that's a pre- there's a prescription. There's a literal prescription for that. Right. And uh, that's in my Christian walk. That's where I've where the rubber really meets the road is like, are you going to do this? I mean, the, you know, the verse says this, are you going to actually do it? So that's right. the thing. That's, well, and but, then the see, people will say, well, yeah. it's not a sin. You know, it's not, I, I don't think that it's a sin. Well, then the question will be, well, then why are you leaving over it? If it's, if it's not a sin, then why are you leaving? And a sin to a, not tell people or a sin that they'd committed against? Well, if they, if they would say, if I would say you're supposed to go and point out your brother's sin and they oh, would say, not. well, I'm not leaving because they're sinning, you know, it's not actual sin. It's like, okay, well then, then you have no business leaving. You're, you're, you're just, uh, you're bored or you're uh, content. Or, <laughs> yeah. If it's not sin, then why is that what you just said? Yeah. That's funny. I didn't, <laughs> it's, a, it's funny. B, it's funny because I thought I heard you and I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't, apparently, I wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, well, if it's not a sin, then wh- what's the problem? Right. <laughs> Why is it offending you so bad? Right. What What you're, happened? You're you? leaving. You're leaving the church for something that's not even a sin. I mean, yeah, that, you that's... brought potato salad instead of coleslaw. Right. So we turn uh, left. I think he's. I'm trying to find it, but I think Jesus said, if you have something against your brother. And it even precludes worship. He was like, God, God, that was part of the mandate of worship was sacrificing animals and and bringing your, your gift to the altar. And Jesus said, stop what you're doing. Leave your, whatever it is. Yeah. Leave it there. 
go fix the thing. So right. if your brother has something against you, right? Oh, my goodness. Well, see, that's even, that's even more. I was trying to look at, is it? I was, I'm looking at Matthew seven, but um, I could be wrong. Well, the point is, the point is that if sure there's, saved, there's an issue, yeah. you need to go and work it out. But that's it. That is a good point that it isn't, didn't necessarily say that it was a sin. It's just somebody has a, a grievance. Somebody has a, yeah. a, a gripe. Things are not right between the two of you. Then you need to go and. and you know what we should have done now that I look back on is top 10 reasons people leave the church and then just <laughs> blast all of them. That would have been a better, that would have been a better podcast heading. Anyway, that would have required some more. What do you, but the thing is though, you're, you're pulling from experience because especially when you post and there was one post that I actually shared, it was something on lines of stop being a baby and don't leave your church or something. Mm. And that one got a lot of, that one got a lot of heat Mm -hmm. because even from my own, from my own people, but it, uh, gosh, I can't, I wish I could remember the, the main vein of it. But it was like that one. One lady, like, uh, was like, you know, uh, she she was just quiet, and she uh, has a good heart, and she's very um, sensitive and those kind of things. And so, right. you know, she would. That's the thing, and I can tell you this too, because I'm sensitive in areas too. Is you can feel slighted in an area where absolutely no one's thinking about it at all. And I forgot the the right. thing that you guys brought up. I guess that you're you're in your own movie. Was that the or you're your own fable? Was that the thing you guys have been talking uh, about? Personal fable. Yeah. You, you think everybody's like, paying attention to you? Yeah. So like you're the main character in your movie, mm-hmm. and so something happens to you, and you're like, everyone saw this. Why is no one doing anything? And right. the, the real reason is because no one saw your foot when they stepped on it. Right. And they didn't even know there was a foot there. And you didn't say anything, so nobody, you know, nobody changed what they were doing, and so now you feel slighted because now your foot toe hurts, right? Because you didn't go, "Ow, my foot!" Right. Well, it's a. Uh, it's a but that's again that. Having. Yeah, well, that leads back to what you're talking about. Well, this, it's kind of a, a completely self centric point of view. Mm-hmm. Because if if the minute, the second, like you just said, the second you step out of your side of yourself and you go, well, maybe they didn't see my foot, <laughs> then you go, okay, well, maybe that's why I don't feel so slighted anymore. Right. And then you could either turn it into a funny story or just forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it really does. It 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 was a game changer for me. It changed my my whole life when I just started asking, okay, what's bugging me? All right, what's bugging me? What, what is it that's bugging me? And the, usually the first thing that I would think about is is the is the thing that's right in front. I mean, the obvious thing is like, what's bugging me is I don't like this. Uh, I don't like this sermon. I don't I don't like this guy's voice, you know, and that's that's usually the glaring thing that's got that's grating <laughs> on you. But when you just call it out, when you just go, yeah, I don't like his I don't like his tie, then it just immediately ceases to be a big deal. And then you start to feel dumb. It's like, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have my whole day ruined by this. Um, and then not only am I gonna, is it going to ruin my day, but if I don't deal with it, if I don't call it out, then it's going to sit in there and fester. And I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget what it was that was upsetting yeah. me. And I'm just going to have all of this bile that's built up I inside was- of me. And I'm not going to know where it came from. 
I was just thinking about that and you just and you and you said it. It was it's like you forget the specific and it just becomes a feeling and you're right. like you can't even so after a year or two you can't even tell anybody why you're mad. Right. So you well, make yeah. up stuff like I don't feel loved, I don't get fed because it was something specific that you didn't deal with. Right. You, you didn't just call it out. Push it down. <laughs> well, and people do this a lot when they when they talk about the day that they're having. Man, it's been a bad day. And it's, that's accumulation of these All things, the things that have happened. Never when somebody has said to me, man, it's been a bad day. Have they been missing an arm? You know, or something <laughs> like that. It's like, you know, and there's blood spurting yeah. from the, from the oh. open wound. It's been yeah, a terrible yeah, you day. It's like, <laughs> I would have been surprised if you just said anything else. <laughs> I can see that. But it's oh, yeah. always... And then you, they say, man, it's been a terrible day. And then you shake your head and go, well, I know what you mean. And it's like, I don't know what you mean. And I don't even think you know what you mean, because I'll bet you can't even tell me what I believe that you feel, you know, overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and I believe you feel some anxiety or whatever. I believe you feel that, but I'll bet you don't know why. It's been rainy. Yeah. It's been a rainy day. The rainy. <laughs> oh, you mean you mean the plants and the flowers get water? <laughs> the hydrological you, cycle that's been on you, the planet for centuries. But that but that makes you a little moody, so <laughs> it's been bad. My son Timothy used to get mad when the sun was shining, but it was cold outside. That used to just save Wait, him what age? He was little. He was three or four. I like the I like the <laughs> The problem with the irony of it, though, was he like, how would he respond? Well, he would look out the window and he would get excited because he could see the oh. sun. The sky was blue. He'd go, Yay. And we were like, man, it's really cold outside. And then he would just get furious because he <laughs> felt like, I, but, like nature had lied to him. I get that. <laughs> like, what the heck, man? The sun's out. It's time for shorts and, and play the yeah. sprinkler, right? Yeah. Oh, I get that. That's hilarious. That sort of that sort of thing. We laughed at him, but that idea has come back, you know, in our family for years and years. When somebody gets annoyed about something that's petty and uh, silly, we'll say it's like the sun shining and the sky is blue, and but it's cold, cold outside. outside, and you're really can't play it. So can't play in the pool, man. Nope. So what do we? What do we who are of gray of beard and wizen of theology mm-hmm. due to such an one who, uh, let's say we do happen upon a person who's completely out of sorts. The fact that that's what you're saying too, that people just leave. But if you actually hear about it from somebody, that's a gift. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, Oh, I don't, I don't like this church anymore. I'm going to leave. And so we would take it as a, a chance to apologize, but you say it's different. And case Most by case basis, obviously. Chance yeah. for, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way or whatever, but but I don't. Like, oh, what is what's the problem? And a, a good number of times, they can't even articulate the problem. They don't. They don't even know what the problem is. They're just out of sorts. Um, occasionally, it's something personal. Well, we got a divorce, and my wife, my ex-wife, still goes there, and it's like, well, I. Oh. I would see that that's an issue, but there's there's some other stuff that needs to be discussed now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the leaving the church is kind of secondary, um, and so yeah, it's a matter of getting down to 
just encouraging people. And you already do this. You ask them questions. You just ask questions and get people to, to walk through what it is that they're that they're feeling. Why, why do you feel this way? This doesn't come from nowhere, you know, and my daughter would disagree with me. She says, sometimes you do have feelings that just come out of nowhere. Um, but, but knowing that they're coming out of nowhere, I think is helpful. It's like, I don't, I don't have any reason for feeling this way. So I guess I'll just wait until oh, yeah. I don't feel this way anymore. Uh, it's <laughs> just bear it out. Yeah. I can as an encouragement. Cause, uh, that happens to me if somebody is telling me something that's not good. You kind of get this sick feeling over. You're like, oh no! And then especially if you know it's kind of related to you, so you get even you get even more ill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you kind of start feeling, you know, the blood rush to your face. And not that you're mad. You just go, oh, this is. I'm going to be wrong, and I'm going to have to apologize. But if you really are <laughs> genuinely curious, you have to teach yourself to be curious too, and you have to, you know, ask. Like I said, ask those questions and find out. Yeah, and when they say something too, if you listen hard enough, something's going to trigger your curiosity to make another question, another, and then you start finding out. Oh, okay, like you said, he's just having troubles at home, <coughs> and, uh, and he hasn't brought that up to anybody yet. So right. it's like that's when you can that's when you can help. That's true Christian community. That's and we and for me to think about that scenario, it's a bit gut wrenching, and that might be a, a harsh word to put on it, but it is not the most pleasant. That's the other, so that's the other side of the coin. He's having an unpleasant experience at church, so he wants to leave. But then him telling me creates an unpleasant experience, right? So, but that's a, but like I said, it's a gift and an opportunity because now something's open that wasn't open before; it was closed off. Right, he's opened it up, and now now I have that chance, even though I feel sick to the stomach, and I feel like uh, I feel like I'm a kind of a that what that happens where that attacks me is my self worth. As I start going, well, I'm an idiot. I'm a, you know, I'm a piece of garbage. But at the same time, like you're saying, they're suffering from something that you have to sh- shed some light on, right. and give them some truth, and that will help them out. So that's just people being uncomfortable together. You ever been to a Thanksgiving dinner? Right. That's how families love each right. other. Well, th- there's no, uh, there's no sense among the people who are not staff at a church. Like we, like I said, we know that the that the staff's job is to take care of stuff, is to dive into problems, is to get into people's lives and help them spiritually grow. We know that that's the, the preacher's job, the pastor's job, but we don't think about it as being our job. I don't think it's my job to go to you and help you grow spiritually because I'm not the preacher, you know? And I think that that's incorrect. I think that- Or it's that not even a Christian, smug- yeah. Yeah, it's not even as smug as that. It's like you said, you you put that uh, the pastor on maybe such a high pedestal that you don't want to say anything because then you say I'll say something wrong, right? But you know, you're still you still have some wisdom, I think, to impart. Oh, that yeah. I think is real common where people are like, I don't want to say anything because I'm not yeah. trained. I'm I'm going to say yeah. something wrong, and it's like, my goodness. So what we have is a scenario where we we absolve ourselves of the guilt of watching our of watching people leave the church because a it's not our job to to keep them here and b um, we we didn't know enough anyway I don't really know enough you know it's not, I, I'm not a I didn't go to Bible college I don't know the Bible and so 
you know, it's not my problem, but it kind of is, you know, when somebody leaves the church, it's the church's problem. It's not just the pastor's problem. It's, it's my problem too, because it means that we have failed in some way to, to speak to them in, in a way that helps them not leave and not go looking someplace else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, well, I mean, what is, gosh, now there's one that, that, um, trials produce endurance. The, 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 just, that's part of the Christian walk is endurance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if people aren't enduring, there's something, something's happening. Right. Something's wrong. I do like that you, that you put that on the, the, the lay person to shoulder some of that responsibility. Cause that's a, we're going to have to know people in order to know that they're displeased. And then B, we got to be able to ask questions, probe a little, probe a little bit. One of the, that monster. One of the things that has changed probably the most dramatically for me, now that I am gray and beard versus <laughs> when I was younger, it's just my whole concept of what it is to, to minister the whole concept of ministry. And I have got a, probably a unhealthy uh, <laughs> level of uh, what's the word? I don't want to say contempt. All contempt, I guess is unhealthy, but I, I, I think, well, you, you got to be a bit of a curmudgeon, right? <laughs> I think the way we conceptualize ministry is pretty wrong in the church. I think the average, the average Christian person's idea about ministry is, is warped because we've got, and I can I can show you people in my like friends of mine who who will l- line up with what I'm about to say. Where, where if you haven't been to Bible college, if you're not trained in ministry, then then it's not your area of expertise. And they almost look at it like like a guy who's not trained in heart surgery ripping a chest open. You know, it's like, well, I'm not oh, trained yeah. in ministry, so anything that I do, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to be a I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to make things worse. And and that's our concept of, of ministry. That's And so, yeah, we elevate the people who've been to Bible college, who are formally trained in uh, Bible studies and things like that. We've elevated those people to um, a position that they were, that there's, yeah, there, there's no scriptural precedent for it. There's the believers were all together and had everything in common and they were all, and they and they took care of each other and they met each other's needs. It doesn't it doesn't indicate that there was a person among them who had been formally trained, you know, <laughs> in church matters, and that was the person to whom they all appealed and went for you know, for their wisdom. And they they did it they did it for each other. They they supported each other and they and they interact, and we've got this idea that ministry requires a professional, and we do that with it, it, the psychiatry and the psychology industry has fed into that, and we've gotten to the point now where in the church, I can't, I can't help you with the really big problems, like the really deep uh, psychological problem, the really big emotional things that you're struggling with. You have to go see a professional for that. And it might not even be a Christian, but he's still a professional when it comes to handling your psychology right. he and knows your emotion. The brain. Right. Yeah. And and Christians buy into and we don't even ask questions anymore. It's like, well, yeah, some things, some problems really require a psychiatrist. It's like, well, I'm not finding that in scripture anywhere. Um, but 
you do you, boo. Um, <laughs> and people will keep oh. leaving the church as long as as long as we keep directing them. You know, when you have a really big problem, a really big family crisis, you're going to go need to see a professional. And then we're like, why are people leaving the church? Because you're telling them to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go somewhere else. We can't yeah. help you with the important things, so go That's find a, a professional. real interesting thought to me that you guys have planted in my brain about outsourcing everything because we do it everything else there's Mm -hmm. most your your normal family right now because at least my generation or my dad's generation grew up you you fixed everything or you tried to that was the i guess that was the joke for the while because like your dad would fix something and it wasn't really fixed but it was you know it was working had duct tape on it functioned yeah it yeah. did the thing. So, but now we want to, cause I, I did that with my own house too. Mel- Melody's like, you can put up sheetrock. I was like, Oh no, no, I don't want to even touch my house. I was like, I'll screw this up. Cause, and I didn't think, you know, maybe I should just try to put up sheetrock and then see what happens. <laughs> What's and the worst? Is it the, is it that hard though? But, but that, uh, I don't that think that is a concept. I don't think it I, is. I, I don't think most things are that hard. I think, I think, most of the therapy that we go off for was meant to be done at the church with other believers. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, most of it. Like I well, do some think, of the therapy you get is flat wrong too. I mean, the, yeah, the Freudian it. stuff and, and all of the, a lot of proverbs about counselors and, you know, the, you know, company of, of, uh, of advisors and that kind of stuff. Right. But yeah, I think just the talking, part where you talk through something and you go, you know, my dad acted like this. Well, why can't you do that? What are we doing? Is there something we're doing wrong in the church where people don't feel like they can do that? They do, yeah. Because they, they've bought the, they've bought the secular lie that it requires a special yeah, person trained. who's trained in that. And I can't reveal my past to you without you having some sort of a degree. Right. You got to have a degree. And then, and then that degree is going to magically bestow upon you powers that the common folks don't have, you know, powers of insight and, and what wisdom and scripture says we're back where we started. Scripture says, yeah, if you lack wisdom, ask God, you know, pray and God will give you wisdom. And I don't think we believe that. I don't think that most people believe that God gives them wisdom if they ask for it. And that's why they throw up their hands and go, well, I'm not formally trained. You need to go see somebody else. It's like, well, did God give you any wisdom? Well, why don't you just yeah. give me that? Why don't you just any give me at all? Yeah. Yeah. I heard that from a pastor. I don't know if I want to, did we talk about this? It was, uh, yeah, it's just, it was a charismatic people. And like some of his, some of his people at his church were going off and doing like weird things. And, and he's like, you know, I just want to, I want our young people to err on the side of, you know, just whatever God leads them to do. They go, I'm like, have you no wisdom to speak into this? Like, do you right. think that w- one of the things that they were doing, you're like, maybe not. Let's not do this, guys. Let's right. pray about this for a second. Well, what, and, what uh, if I, I want them to err on the side of, and it's like, what if I just don't want them to err? What if I, yeah. what if we, what if <laughs> or we prevent you, them from erring? That's what I was saying. Like, do you see an error? Maybe you should right. call it out before it actually, before it happens. Right. Like well, it's, anybody who's been a parent has seen their son, you know, lining up a brick and a two by four out <laughs> in the street. And you're like, Hey, build a ramp. Guys, yeah. <laughs> I was like you might want something a little more solid than that. It's like, it's not the ramp. that's a problem. It's your construction. Right. But yeah. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Take it from me. I'll show you how to build a ramp. <laughs> Here, let me make you a ramp. <laughs> you're going to sail over the driveway with this one. You're going to be airborne. That, I think that in that situation, I think old, the older, or like you would say, the more mature people have to shoulder some of that too. Maybe we need to be more proactive I, finding these people I, out. I really think that's what it is, Juwan. I don't think that, I think that people are intimidated. People are afraid. Uh, we've got a culture now that will shout at you if you quote unquote judge people, if you tell people how they're supposed to live. It's a scary, scary thing, but that is what people need. And if we're, if Christian people are truly uh, compelled to give people what they need, then we can't afford to be um, cowards and we can't, we can't afford to back down because we're going to get yelled at or because we're going to be misunderstood and because people are going to label us as hateful and bigoted and uh, homophobic and everything else. You, we, we just can't be intimidated by that because people need stability. They need somebody with the light to stand up and shine that light. Um, even though it's going to be unpopular. Oh my gosh. You're convicting me. You're making me uncomfortable. No, if you, the thought I had, because what you're saying is if, if I was really mature, none of that would bother me. People yelling and that wouldn't really, if I was actually mature in Christ, mm. if somebody was calling, calling me names and stuff like that, I'd be like, I Oh, I'm, this person's injured. It's like, I'm, po- you know, when, well, like you guys have said, you know, the if you throw a rock, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. So that's right. the thing. It's like, okay, that's something. If I can have that kind of insight to know that's something you're dealing with, and somehow God has given me something to to give you truth. He's right. He's allowed me to say something that pokes that sensitive area in you. And uh, yeah, I that's the that's the thing. I, I don't know if I'm saying most afraid of it, but in a social interaction. Mm-hmm. That's what really I like. My adrenaline actually kicks in when somebody gets mad and starts yelling. That's like I can't. I can I can handle it. I shouldn't say that, but it's something I like. Like you said, I'm a coward and try to avoid it. I was like, I just want this discussion to go smoothly, and let's right. just uh, turn it to right. light FM. You know, we, we let's want, just calm down and talk we, about the weather. We want peace. We want peace, and sometimes sometimes peace is possible, but not always. And, you know, it's, it's, if you think that the conversations that I've had with the deconverts and the atheists has helped me a lot to get to this point where, um, where I realize that it really is Christ. Christ is the answer and there is nothing else. And so to, to mess around and entertain all of the, the garbage that is floating around that is not Christ um, doesn't help anybody. And the, the, the atheists are um, just listening to them talk was what finally locked this into place for me. It's like, oh, you're saying that the reason you left the church is because they were unkind and they wouldn't let you answer questions. They wouldn't answer your questions and they were bigots and they were blah, 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 blah. That's what you're saying. But you're just like them. You, you, what you need is somebody to come up, up to you and say, you understand that you are every bit the hypocrite that you're saying that they are. And I'm not saying that because I hate you and I'm mad at you. I don't even know you. 
I'm just saying from from a observer uh, outside looking in, this is the scenario. And so your perception is off. But as soon as you say that, they are personally offended by that. They're personally offended, like you were saying earlier, about being wrong. And so then they start to then they start to light up and they start to yell and they start to accuse you of being the ones who's caused them to feel this way. And a lot of Christians are just not prepared to deal with that. They're, they're like, they, they, they just can't stand up and say, no, well, this is a person who's having a tantrum. And uh, <laughs> if they're, if the tantrum subsides and I'm still here, maybe we can continue this conversation. But if the tantrum goes on and on, I'm just going to leave them in their tantrum and trust that God who knows all things will do right by them. Um, yeah. Wow. That's a, well, that's, that's the equivalent of shaking your, the dust off your boots at that point. Not really, but, not really, because I, so? no, I think that it, it is, it, it's an, a manner of shaking the dust off, but I think that Christians have, have used the phrase planting seeds. Um, you know, I just want to plant some seeds. I just want to plant some seeds. And th- we say that, but we don't really, we're not really I satisfied say, with planting seeds. We would like I to say, say that as an early out. To get me an early out, so well, I would say, "Well, I said Jesus, so we're good." But I would, I would <laughs> say that, that planting seeds is looks a lot like just sending somebody into a tizzy. You know, sending somebody into a tizzy is is obviously step one in uh, in starting them to to process, and that literally is is the seed planted. And most and a lot of Christians are not happy planting seeds because it looks like that. It looks like a lot of angry people, tears, people shaking their fist at you, people calling you all sorts of names. That's what happens when you plant seeds. Now, when the seed starts to grow, those people start to maintain control of their temper. They start to get their their feelings in order. They start to have a little bit of wisdom. And so they don't respond quite as violently to those uh, interactions. But that's not seed planting anymore. Now there's actually some growth. Now there's a little bit of maturity. And uh, and then the people who are ready for the harvest. Christians want the harvest. That's what they want. They People want to go yeah. and they want to bring people to Jesus and watch them, you know, give their lives to Christ. That's what Christians want. And they say, that's, well, I just want to plant seeds. But that's not true. You want to see the harvest. That makes for a, that makes for a better story and, and small group. On Sunday, oh yeah, I'm I like just, I talked to this guy and he gave his life <laughs> he to Christ. Called me names, yeah, yeah, yeah that's what you don't want to hear. You want to go, you know? I talked to my coworker and he, yep. he yelled at me in front of a bunch of customers. I had a I had a half a dozen atheists tell me that I'm the reason that they don't go to church anymore. So praise the Lord, you, John Brannion, yep. have caused them not to go to church. People like me. Uh, yep. Well, it's now we can talk about that on another podcast, but it's like. If you really knew the truth, there was nothing, no one could keep you from it. Right. If you, yeah. So anyway, but the reason you not go to church is because you don't think it's the truth. But if you knew the truth, nobody could keep you from it. But yeah, that's, I guess when I talk to you, I'm like, okay, what do I, how, what's the next thing for me to do? (laughs) That's what I'm trying to, because, yeah, the thing is, I don't encounter a lot of people like that on a day-to-day basis but like at church it, I really am I really am most part surface there's a few people where I'm, I get below the surface with them and we're at a big church but uh, 
yeah, that's a challenge to me to, to make sure I'm talking to people and just knowing actually how it's going and not, you know, on Sunday, how's it going? Cause I can, that's something I got convicted of is I can always be going somewhere. I got worship. I got to be at, I got life group. I'm teaching Sunday so I can be walking to something. Just, hey, how's it going? Just as I'm walking by, I just nod at him and say, yeah, it's cold, ain't it? Yeah.